It's time for JT the Brick. So we are open for business again, everybody. I had a dream that someday we'd have a flagship station with the cooperation of the team and the fans that stream globally. JT the Brick. Are we all on board with that? Because if you're not on board with this, you're going to have to enter a mental asylum. If you're not on board with this, it's going to drive you nuts. Jackpot, baby! And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we begin a new week on Raider Nation Radio, the flagship of the Silver and Black in studio today with Bobby. Brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town is always 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Head on out to PT's to watch the NHL playoffs. Without the Golden Knights, ooh, that hurts, doesn't it? As you're watching some of these hockey teams play and maybe you watch the PGA Championship with Justin Thomas winning. I'll get to that in the monologue. You just want to have a great lunch, great food, unbelievable happy hour prices and talk Raiders football. PT's fuels the monologue as we start this week. I'm in a great mood. My mom and dad got in last night from Florida and they're here with me for a week. As tomorrow we are preempted for the aviators, and that works out well for me because tomorrow's my son's 21st birthday and my dad's 84th birthday, which is kind of a national holiday for me. It's my favorite day of the year, and my dad's in town along with my mom, and they are here, and we're going to celebrate this week. And they're in Vegas, and it's not uh, so hot that we're melting yet. And we had a nice walk today with the dog. The weather was beautiful. Going to get in the pool later today and enjoy the day. So hope everyone had a great weekend. I've been traveling a lot. I was just with Coach Ditka over the weekend. I'll save that for next hour. I'll dive into that. But I will mention ahead of time, last week, last Monday, we were with the Bolitnikovs. Then I had Coaches versus Cancer with Lon Kruger on Tuesday. And then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I was in Chicago with Coach Ditka and Gridiron Greats. And that was a whirlwind. That was a lot of fun. Saw a lot of cool people. Posted some really cool pictures on my Twitter and Facebook page if you want to check that out. And we'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, It's all quiet on the Raider front again. I said this as I walked into the building with Bobby. And I was texting with other people, talking to Vinny Bonsignor today, as we often do. And to me, this is maybe the most quiet I ever remember. Ever. I'm serious. Because of the fact that the new regime has come in and buttoned up their roster the way they like it. That, that, that's what I told you they would do. It happens in all the sports. New guys come in, their team, their players. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Coaches, goodbye. Players, goodbye. And that is common. That is common. Plus, you sprinkle in a little Patriots way. We'll sprinkle in some Patriots dust around there, which is great because they won all the time. We should all know that. And now everybody's either on the roster trying to make the team and impress these guys, or there's a handful of players that don't have to worry about any of that. They're stars in the league, and they'll be good, and they'll be the leaders of the team undrafted free agents, players that you and I are not familiar with, and we're going to learn about it together. We're going to learn about it together. Now, historically, I don't do deep dives on players who don't make teams. I'm not a practice squad guy. I've said that forever on this show. Everybody tells me, man, the Raiders got these guys on the practice squad, man, Stoner or this receiver over the year or that receiver. What do you want me to do? I I can't talk about them if they're not playing on Sunday. This team is very interesting to me because I think the depth is very important. The big news of this offseason is they gutted they gutted a draft class from two years ago. And a lot of that was self-inflicted, right? Arnett, Henry Ruggs, 
They traded Brian Edwards. They started to move everybody out from a draft class a couple of years ago. Who just they just weren't good enough. The Tanner Muse draft class, as I call it, right? a bunch of guys. Uh, Lynn Bowden, remember that draft class? That draft class has been eviscerated, taken out, gone. And now we're going to see who's left uh, on the last draft class, which are some good players here. Alex Leatherwood is the most important player. I like Leatherwood. He won the Outland Trophy, played for Nick Saban in Alabama. He played in a lot of big games. He played in more big games than pretty much anybody on the Raider roster. He played in bigger college games than Derek Carr did at Fresno State. He played at Alabama, and the guy is being scrutinized more than anybody. Can he play right tackle? They're going to move him inside. Who do they got to get at right tackle? I think Leatherwood, with his growing pains and his ability to play in this league, has got to make a huge step this offseason, which is now. OTAs heading into training camp, and he's got to solidify himself as a guy who's going to be available and going to be able to play and is going to be an impact player on this team. Got to be an impact player on this team. And I think that'll happen. And they're going to put him through the grinder. And they're going to put him through the grinder hard. There's one guy that's going to be under a microscope, like other players who are trying to compete for the team. Other than that, as we talked about, the team is loaded on the offensive side of the ball. You got Waller, you got Devontae Adams, you got Renfro. You got four running backs who can all play. And you got Derek Carr with the contract extension and one of the best quarterbacks in the league statistically. I mean, Derek's good for 4,500 yards and a big year every year. And he's in the absolute prime of his career. The defense has two of the best edge rushers, period. One of the best, if not the best, of the last 10 years in Chandler Jones and our friend Mad Max coming off the other edge. That's really good. They got Rocky Sin to play cornerback on one side. They didn't get Bradbury, which was disappointing, but... His price was pretty expensive on a one-year deal to Philadelphia. And then they got a lot of other guys that got to prove it this year. They're on prove-it deals. Trayvon Mullen's on a prove-it deal if it works out well for them there. I like Merrig on the back end. Jonathan Abram is on a prove-it deal with the new guys, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. Prove it at OTAs and camp that you could be in the right place at the right time and have an opportunity to play for this team a little bit longer. And Josh Jacobs, as we talked about. Uh, Josh Jacobs is in a situation where his rookie contract extension wasn't picked up, his fifth-year option, which is fine. What's wrong with that? There's been a lot of players that have been in that same boat, and he's kind of on a prove-it year with a lot of good players behind him who are going to get touches. So that's where we're at with the Raiders. I think the thing that Raider Nation, when I've been talking to him, and I've been talking to a lot of Raider fans over the last couple of weeks in person, not over the phone, is they're pretty happy. Uh, Most Raider fans are pretty happy. You know, you got the one side of the table where Raider fans feel disrespected about the schedule. I don't like the schedule. I told you I didn't like the schedule an hour before you got it. I got it an hour early. I looked at it and I said, what the hell is this? Where's the primetime games? What's going on here? I didn't like the schedule. I'm I'm not afraid of the schedule. I'm not in fear of anything. I didn't like the schedule. They didn't do the Raiders any favors. So that was a big chunk of our energy on the show the last week or so while I was here is the schedule is not conducive to really get in a groove. Early bye week, tough out of the gate, all the games that matter on the back end, 
which if they don't make the playoffs, all those games on the back end are going to look ugly because they're not going to mean anything. So that I like because it puts pressure on them early to be great. Do we all understand that? Do we agree with me on that? I've talked to some Raider fans, and they're like, man, that Niner game. I'm like, dude, Niner game doesn't mean anything if the Raiders aren't in playoff contention. Do you understand that? The Niner game means nothing if the Raiders aren't already in the playoffs or on the verge of the playoffs. The game means nothing. So the pressure to be great early is very important. Instead of, you know, it's workable in the beginning, week 10 by week, Sprinkle in the Texans and the Jaguars on the back end. Get way above 500. You hit a bump in the road. You're kind of in the playoffs anyway. And then, boom, we end with the Patriots in prime time. And we got the Niners on New Year's Day. Well, that's it. I, I got the Raiders. I, on the show before the schedule came out, I had them with 11 wins. I will have to either stick with 11 wins or alter that. Now, why would I alter that? Well, I'd alter that because I saw the bleeping schedule. And the schedule is, is no joke. Why do they always have one of the toughest schedules? Used to be all travel. They're traveling from Oakland back east. All of this. I'm done with that. You play who you play. I think they got a big break in playing the Cardinals early without DeAndre Hopkins for a home opener. I'd take that game early. Uh, also, Kyler Murray to st- uh, skip Cardinals OTAs this week. Okay, so I love that drama coming out of Arizona. And then the rest of the schedule... Look, if you can't beat New Orleans and Jameis Winston, you're not a playoff team. Okay, If you can't beat the Jaguars, you're not a playoff team. We went down this road last year. They made the playoffs and lost to the Bears, the Washington Commanders, the New York Giants, and they made the playoffs with 10 wins. I just gave you 13 if you took care of business. But as Vegas bookmakers have told me on and off the record, the Vegas bookmakers don't believe that the Raiders can quote unquote, get as lucky as they did last year with those walk-off wins. Those, oh my God, you get the ball late, you get the ball, you make a field goal, and overtime you win, and if you don't make that field goal, the other team wins. You look at all of that, those five walk-off wins, the opening game against Baltimore, all the Carlson game winners, the Vegas bookmakers believe that will balance out. That will balance out. So instead of going 5-0 and in those games, it'll be 3-2. and So they took two games away from the Raiders. So instead of giving the Raiders a total of 10.5, which means they have to win 11, they settle at 8.5, meaning they need to win 9. But how how disrespectful is that? If the Raiders win 9, they don't even make the playoffs. They are baiting you in the Raider Nation hard, man. And thank God I'm the conductor of the Raider Nation when it comes to the longest tenured guys helping out these fans who are listening because they are baiting you. I even looked online today. They had the top five trades of the offseason. So I'm like, man, this is going to be a pretty cool article. I can't wait to see. Was it Devontae Adams one or two? Where's Devontae Adams at? Oh, they had Devontae at five. Five. Is the biggest trades in the offseason. Devontae, NFL.com, Jeff Chadia had him at five. I'm like, all right, because they're buying into Russell Westbrook, uh, what Russell Wilson, which they should. And they're looking around the league at some of the other big, big deals. Tyreek Hill. They believe that Tyreek Hill, NFL.com, is a bigger move to the Dolphins than Devontae Adams is to the Raiders. I don't. I don't, I don't know about that. But the guy who wrote the column believes so. So what we're going to see here in the next couple of weeks, we're going to just see, again, negative Raider propaganda. It's coming. It's coming big. 
It's coming from everybody. And look, I'm used to this. I know how to handle it. And I want to know how you're going to handle it. So on a Monday where I have a lot of other sports to talk about, and I host a sports talk show, and I'm going to get to that, the Raider call to action is what's the one move left? Be giving you more moves than you can dream of. You should all be buying Dave Ziegler a cocktail when you see him if he's out and thanking Dave Ziegler. He gave you an offseason of Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones before the thing even started. Then he went to the draft. Everybody seems to be pretty good, and that's where the team is. Raise a toast to the Raiders who upgraded a 10-win roster in the offseason, extended the quarterback, and extended Crosby, and got you Devontae. Wow. What more do you want than that? Well, Clowney just waited out, and he signed. I like Clowney. Clowney's a good player, really good player, but they don't need him. They got Chandler Jones and Mad Max Crosby. Bradbury, when you look at the ability to get another corner, they could have did that. They didn't like the price or something didn't happen there. But what in God's name could you want more from the Las Vegas Raiders in the offseason from a football perspective? Go ahead. My lines are open. Sometimes people are like, you know, we don't have the same 19 callers here. If you want to call in on this and mix it up, go ahead. Because I don't know what more you want. If there's one more player out there, but maybe you want to see something from a player in these OTAs. You want to see something a little bit more. I brought up Jonathan Abram, Trayvon Mullen, Alex Leatherwood. All three of those players will not be here if they don't play great from here on out. Period. Same with Josh Jacobs. And I think Josh has played better than all of them. Last four games last year, Raiders don't make the playoffs without Josh Jacobs. So I mentioned a bunch of players here. Uh, the other news that everybody's waiting on is when is Hunter Renfro going to get his extension? He's going to get an extension. We know that. He's well-deserving of an extension. And then what is going to happen with this team? And I think, for me, what's going to be the deepest dives when we start interviewing players and active coaches on the team is how they're going to change the game plan every week. They're really good at that. Josh McDaniels, he's great at that. The offense is going to be very unpredictable, really unpredictable from week to week, from midweek to the following week on a short week. And I really think that's going to give the Las Vegas Raiders an advantage when it comes to prepping their offense. All of those extra games that Josh McDaniels got to coach in the divisional round, because he, he had a lot of bye weeks, didn't he? The Patriots had a lot of bye weeks. They didn't even have to play the opening round of the playoffs, and they played in the divisional round. Then they played in the championship round, and then they had a two-week Super Bowl buildup. And guess who was in the office every day while every other coach was playing golf and in Cancun? It was Josh McDaniels. So he's got a library of notes on how to prepare for every team in this league, their tendencies, their coaches, and all that. I hope that that's going to be a big-time advantage here. But we're going to have to see how that plays out here. So with all the news that is here today, if you'd like to jump on in today before some of our interviews, 702-365-9200, what's the one move that you want to see? And it might be it might be a cut. It might be a cut. You might call me saying, JT, we might let this guy go because we got to be ready to go June 1st, which is right around the corner here, and we got to get some guys in here. Who are we going to get in here? I have no idea, but I would guess, and I've been pretty good on the guessing, I would guess we're going to get a starting right tackle from a cutdown of another team. 
I think some offensive lineman with tackle experience is going to get cut for a salary purpose reason, new player coming in. It's going to be a name that you and I are familiar with, and the Raiders are going to get him at a cheaper price, and hopefully that guy will be either an insurance to Leatherwood or someone good enough to go out there and play right tackle as Leatherwood stays inside at guard. But I don't know, I don't know who that player is because we're going to see what these other coaches are dealing with. So that's the monologue, part of the monologue as we open it up, 702-365-9200. Kurt Heelan will join us later, the NBA insider from NBC Sports. We'll talk to him about the rest of the NBA playoffs here, which has been really unique to me. I, I think the NBA playoffs, as I was telling Bobby, who's a Boston Celtic fan, Celtics were 1-1, they came home, and Tatum had 10 points, and they let Miami right back into the series. So Miami now has home court, and Boston better win tonight. Because if they don't, they're toast. Uh, Just like what happened last night with Andrew Wiggins and what we saw from the Warriors that went into Dallas and they just took him out. Took him out in a big way. And it was the Wiggins game. He was just another role player. He's a role player now. Used to be a star in the league that just fits into his role with the Warriors. Chest pass to the right wing. Back over to Draymond. Curry cuts off Draymond. Draymond with four on the clock. Got to go down the lane. Finds Wiggins. Goes up and dunked it again. Wiggins is an unbelievable player, especially when he doesn't have to be the leader. He doesn't have to be the best player. Why would he? They have Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson. He doesn't have to do that. And Steph Curry and his experience in a series like this, I mean, Dallas is a joke. They beat Phoenix. Give him a lot of credit for that, but they're dead on arrival in this series. Dribbles left on Dodgers. Down the lane, to the rim, scoop the hoop, no help coming. Curry gets the lay-in. And these guys are getting layups. Layups on the road in Dallas with the game on the line. The dunk by Wiggins was one of the greatest dunks I've ever seen in the playoffs. I've seen dunks like this in a dunk contest. You've seen that in a dunk contest or at practice, but you normally don't see or hear this in a game. Brunson defends, snaps it outside to Wiggins. Goes by Bullock! Yeah, it was a crazy. That's Kevin Harlan on the national call on TNT. It was insane, the dunk that he threw down there. And the Warriors now have a commanding three games to none lead. Our show streams in the Bay Area. We'd like to get some Warrior fans to call in on this game. Warriors in cruise control on the way to the NBA Finals. Ball game over. The Warriors have taken the commanding three games to none lead in the Western Conference Finals. Final score, Warriors 109 and Dallas 100. Yeah, so this has been easy for them as they're able to get it done. I I like the way this team plays. For Jason Kidd, now we're starting to hear something from Dallas which isn't good in sports. When you know you're going to get swept, but you tell everybody, like, we're better than you think. No, no, you're about to get swept. Here's Jason Kidd. But this is this is a lot bigger than just this one game or this series or this. This is huge for our franchise um, because none of you guys had us here. You guys were all supposed to be on vacation. And so it, it's cool to go through this. Oh, that's never good. It's never good when you tell the media you didn't believe in us. Well, you're right. We didn't believe in you. You're about to get swept. But we know that. Even Luca is saying the same thing. He's saying the same exact thing as his coach. Like I say, you know, nobody had us being here in this finals conference, conference finals. I think the Warriors are playing incredible. Uh, everybody knows their role. Everybody it just stays together. You know, they're a long-built team. You know, they've been together for a lot. Uh, and I think they're playing great basketball. All right, so the big soundbite that's getting a lot of noise is Charles Barkley who went after the Warrior fans. And Charles believes everything he says. He's not an actor. Skip Bayless is a really bad actor. Every morning, Skip gets up, puts on makeup, and he's an actor. 
He doesn't know. He just makes up stuff just to try to get clicks. Stephen A doesn't do that. Stephen A really means what he says, along with Charles Barkley, both friends of the show. Listen to Barkley on the fans in the Bay Area. Why do you think the Mavs are the best team? I don't think they're the best team. I just cannot pick with the Warriors because I hate their fans. Their fans are obnoxious. I actually like the players on the team and the coach, but I hate their fans. So you're so, just saying so, that. So, no, no, I, I, I'm pulling for the Mavs. No, but why do you think they could win them? Because I'm just going to divine intervention. Okay. <laughs> I just want to see these people suffer. <laughs> okay. I want to see these uh, losers suck. Let me, let me, I do. Let me throw some video okay. at you, Kenny. Yes. Okay. From, from game I, one. I, I couldn't understand. I'm just, yeah. no, I just I, I'm just telling you. I, okay. I, I, I'm pulling for the Mavs because I'm rooting against these, these Warriors fans. Because they're obnoxious and they're a pain in the ass. What Barkley was saying to the fans during commercial and what the fans were saying to him were pretty heinous. It's all over the internet, man. It's pretty hardcore. They're hard on Barkley and all of that. Uh, people ask me all the time, who are the biggest front-running fans? I don't think the Warrior fans are because I was up there in Oakland when they didn't have – I had a section, my, my own section there, when Eric Musselman was the head coach, and we were giving away tickets. But the, the fans in Oakland were pretty diehard. The Warrior fans that I've met over the years and living up there and being on their flagship station, those fans, they're diehard, especially the ones in Oakland. Now the problem is they're in San Francisco, and they're in a much more expensive venue, and there's a lot of people who weren't diehard Warrior fans in Oakland who are buying the tickets. But doesn't that sound familiar to Vegas and the Raiders? There are a lot more diehard Oakland Raider fans than they are diehard Las Vegas Raider fans. I mean, we're building this thing from scratch here in Vegas with the fans. I've met a lot of great Vegas fans. They're brand new. They like the team. But the problem is everybody in Vegas – as a fan base, either they were a Raider fan before, that meant they were an Oakland Raider fan or an L.A. fan, now they came to Vegas, which is a bonus because people live here and they love the Raiders, or it's fans that are having to leave another team to become a Las Vegas Raider fan. And that's not my business. I'm not in that business. Okay, you know my backstory. I was born and raised in New York as a Giant fan. It's taken me 23, 24 seasons and I was all in on the Raiders because that was my job. And the fans counted on me to do what I've done. I've proven that. But there are fans now that are jumping on board with the Raiders and jumping on board with the Warriors because it's convenient. And ownership of those teams don't mind that. It's money. More fans, the better. More people buying beer. More people buying T-shirts. More people buying tickets. So for the Warriors, Barkley's going off on them. He's not doing that to stir the pot. He doesn't like those fans. He really doesn't. And what he says, he's pretty honest about. And the Warriors are going to make it easily, easily to the NBA Finals. And they're going to be rested. And they're going to wait for the heat of the Celtics and probably have the advantage because of, A, experience and the fact that they're going to be rested more. So that's a topic that I want to talk about today. If you're a Warrior fan streaming us anywhere out west or anywhere around the country, what do you think of the big break you got? You got a huge break not having to play Phoenix. Phoenix was better than the Warriors all year. Everybody knows that. Phoenix choked in Game 7. And the Warriors had nothing to do with Game 7 in Phoenix. They're just taking care of what's in front of them. And now the Warriors have one of the easiest roads I've ever seen to the finals. I don't even remember who. Oh, oh, they played John Morant without John Morant in the first round. And, and now they're playing Dallas? I mean, this is, this is tiptoeing through the tulips here. This is a joke. But it's not the Warriors' fault. They're just playing who's in front of them. You know, I opened up the show talking about the Raiders' schedule. 
Not a lot of cupcakes on that schedule other than potentially Houston at home. Jacksonville's much better, and that's a road game. Where are the easy Raider games? How come the Raiders don't have the path that the Warriors have? You know, the schedule's incredible in sports. You play who's in front of you. If another team chokes or has injuries, you don't care. You just want to win the game. And the Warriors are going to try to do that. So we'll talk about that. And then finally, the PGA Championship. Las Vegas is a golf town. So if you're driving around with a set of golf clubs in your car, let me know what you did yesterday and how you watched that. Justin Thomas won the PGA Championship after being down seven strokes, which is kind of remarkable. To be down seven strokes, and he didn't even play well at times. He had a shank shot in the game. His body language wasn't great, but he hung around and was there late to get into a playoff, and then he eventually won another major. Five years later, after his win at Quail Hollow, it's just in time again at the PGA Championship. It's Jim Nance on CBS. So that is the monologue as we open up the show. We'd love to hear from you. We're off tomorrow for the Aviators. Uh, For Raider fans that want to participate in Raider Talk, we will give that to you as I'm talking about other sports today. What's the one move that is left? I want a specific move the Raiders and Dave Ziegler is going to make. It doesn't have to be the player that's coming in because we don't know who that player is going to be. But I want to know about a cut. Something that's going to happen in OTAs heading into camp that you think is coming because you're Raider Nation and you know it. So what do you think is the last move left that really gets you right and makes you feel that the offseason is perfection? It's got everything you want. 702-365-9200 as we open up the show brought to you by Grimaldi's where I'll be after the show. My dad loves Grimaldi's, man. Loves it. And we love Grimaldi's. Home of the $50 gift card. And we have two to give away this week. How many, Bobby? Six. Let's give one away today. But you got to be local in Vegas. What's the one move left for the Raiders for a $50 Grimaldi gift card? Thanks for reminding me. We got six. You know, you can get for 50 bucks a couple of Brooklyn Bridge pizzas and some salads. Glass of wine and some beverages. Come on. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Car's going to come up underneath center. Sutton's going to go over to the left side. Jacobs sprinting, cuts, battles. Jeff Punt, baby! Just Jacobs behind Sutton Smith. Brett Musburger on the call. JT back with you Monday on the flagship of the Raiders. Raider Nation Radio brought to you by M Resort. Spawn Casino where I was... On Saturday night, had dinner with my wife and the Bolitnikoffs, Angela and Fred Bolitnikoff, as they were wrapping up their long week in Vegas with the Bolitnikoff Foundation. Brought to you by M Resort. Love it there. Bruce Davis II, former Raider linebacker, kind enough to join us. His dad was a legend for a Raider, and he joins us on the flagship. Bruce, thanks for coming on. How you been? 
I've been good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I want to begin. I ask everybody about their early start in, in your life as a football player. I would assume with your dad being an NFL player, it was something that was ingrained with you as a young player. Was it elementary school, junior high, high school, when it all came together for you, when you realized you were going to be a football player? I mean, I I mean, I think it was even, even before that. Like, uh, you know, I, ha- I have some baby pictures in a – you know, a Raiders helmet and a Raiders jersey and a, and a football running around the house. So I think, you know, I saw my dad doing it from an early age. Like, oh, I, I want to be like him. So for, it's, it's really from the very beginning. But I started playing um, in seventh grade. Wow. So was there pressure on you? Was there, it was, looking back on it years later as to being an NFL player and playing at a high level at UCLA, did you, did you feel pressure at a very early age or were you very comfortable with the role you had? No, I was, I was comfortable with it. My dad actually didn't want me to play football um, until I got to high school. And, you know, so I ran track. Um, I played basketball. And, uh, you know, just kind of developing other skills and the footwork of basketball and the speed from track. And then one day my buddies were like, yo, man, we're, we're going to go try out for the football team. And I was like, ah, you know, I'm not going to come. My dad doesn't want me to play. Uh, and they were like, look, you've got to be good. Your dad was in the NFL. So I said, all right, you know what, I'll try it. Uh, so I go try out for the team, obviously make the team. I'm one of the biggest kids at the school. Uh, and I go home in my, in my football pads and helmet. And I walked to the door, dad's sitting right there, and I'm like, look, man, I made the football team. He was like, all right, okay, fine. So we went out in the backyard and immediately got started working on a three-point stand. Bruce Davis the second. wow. So I can imagine what that walk was like when you walked into the front door and what was going through your head. And obviously your dad was really cool to you at that point. There wasn't really a divisive moment there where he didn't want you to play. No, there was a split second of him looking like, I told you not to do this, but at the same time, it was like I could tell he was super excited because he knew. He could he could just tell by the look on my face that I loved it. And so he was like, all right, his rule was like, if we're going to do this, we're going to go all in. And, and, you know, if you can't do that, then we got to wait. And I said, no, I'm, I said, I'm all in. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, took off from there. Uh, tell us about your career at UCLA and what happened there, the natural progression from high school into college with your position, your position coach and head, co- head coach, as you became more and more comfortable knowing your journey was going to go to the NFL. So uh, I, I really didn't – I redshirted my first year. Um, we had Dave Ball, mm-hmm. um, leads UCLA all-time in sacks. I'm, I'm second right behind him. Um, so we had Dave Ball, Matt Ball. We had basically everybody on that defensive line. Uh, either played in the NFL for a long time or had a shot at playing in the NFL for a little while. Like, you know, almost all of our linebackers, all our DBs, the whole defense. Um, so there was no way that I was going to play. Um, even though I did, I did, you know, do well in camp and all that, I redshirted, and that kind of stung me a little bit. Um, you know, but it, it gave me time to, like, learn a lot of stuff from those guys there. And, and you know, I didn't end up starting until my redshirt junior year. Um, when Dwayne Walker came in, uh, Dwayne Walker, one of my favorite coaches ever, and, and Todd Howard, the D-line coach, another guy with NFL experience, uh, played at a high level of college football as well. So, you know, I was able to learn from those guys um, who had done it professionally and who, and who had coached at high levels. Uh, and so when they came in and, and, and the things that they taught me really upped my, the game that I already had. So I think they caught up the mental with the physical capability that was already there. 
And then I just kind of took off, man, and got a bunch of sacks, a uh, bunch of tackles for a loss. And then I kind of realized towards the end of my junior year, I was like, okay, um, it, you know, we can, we can really take this to the next level here. And, and so that's kind of when it hit me. And then, you know, my senior year, I followed up, got a bunch of sacks again, um, ended up second all time on UCLA sack list, I think third tackles for a loss. Um, you know, so it, you know, my career at UCLA went really well and I have Dwayne Walker and, and Todd Howard, uh, along with my dad and, and, you know, the other coaches to really thank for that. Bruce Davis is our guest, and his dad was a member of the Oakland Raiders. And if you remember the history of his dad as a great player, you come into the league, Bruce, and it's a nice fit for you in the third round in the draft in 08, landing with the Steelers. Talk about that journey against the Cardinals and what that season was like. I mean, you get drafted one pick before, two after that. You don't have that storyline early in your career. Yeah, one, two picks after that, and I'm in Detroit. Right. Uh, and yeah. I had actually, I had actually uh, done a pre-draft workout with Detroit, uh, and Matt Millen was there at the time, and you know he played with my dad, and you know so they were like, look, if you're if you're there, and we have the opportunity to grab you, we're going to grab you. So, you know, in my mind, I was like, all right, cool, any opportunity to play in the league. But I was like, dang, Detroit, right? So, um, you know, it ended up being um, the Steelers that drafted me in the third round. Uh, which was fantastic. There's a huge legacy on that team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I, I came in and, um, you know, I got to play behind, you know, James Harrison, who right. I think is one of the best outside linebackers, pass rushers to ever do this. Like, uh, And so obviously playing behind a dude that it's getting paid $50 million, $50 million uh, <laughs> you know, you're not going to really see that much time. And so uh, after my first year with them, we won the Super Bowl. Um, which was a fantastic experience, uh, and just playing with all those guys on the defense, man, it's, it's legendary defense. Most of what I did that first year was special teams, um, which I, which was a great thing for me. It was a really great introduction into the league and being on a team like the Steelers, who had so many veterans, and Mike Tomlin is just a coach that I, I respect so highly. He's one of the best coaches I've ever had, um, and just a great human being. So that whole experience was fantastic. And then, you know, we won a Super Bowl to top it off Wow! Uh, and, and kind of knocked that out the first year. That was, that was, uh, it was pretty lucky, but it was a great experience. That's an amazing experience. Bruce Davis, the second joins a Super Bowl champion with the Steelers, former Oakland Raiders. So after that, you bounced around a bit. How'd you end up with the Raiders? What was that call? Like, what was that moment when the phone rang, your agent, you found out you were going to play for the team that your dad played for, your childhood team. It was fantastic because I had, before that, I, you know, I bounced around a little bit. So mm-hmm. I went from uh, Pittsburgh to New England. I spent a year there, was on practice squad. But that year to me was so valuable being under uh, Bill Belichick and just learning so much about professionalism and how to conduct yourself and and how they operate, it's, it's a different world over there. And I think I really needed that. Uh, I think that's one of the most valuable years of my career because, you know, in practice every day, I'm lining up against Sebastian Vollmer and Tom Brady and Kevin Falk and Randy Moss and Wes Well. You know, it, I mean, it's just a, I mean, it's just crazy, all the guys they had out there. Uh, and then they ended up drafting a kid, and, and Bill Belichick calls me in the office. He goes, look, hey, I just want to let you know we drafted this guy. Um, he's going to get every opportunity because we've spent X amount of dollars on him. And uh, we just want to let you know, if you want to stay here and you want to battle it out, that's fine. But I think you'll have other opportunities elsewhere that are better for you. 
Um, he was like, I, I will get on the phone and I will, I will, um, you know, he's like, I got coaches all over the place. So we'll make sure you get somewhere that fits you. Uh, so I ended up in Denver cause Josh McDaniels was there. This was just in the off season. Uh, but they had some guys again that they owed a lot of money to. Uh, and so I ended up bouncing to San Francisco, uh, and played super well at San Francisco. Um, you know, uh, and on defense and on special teams, but again, they, you know, the business of the game pops up and they got guys that, you know, they're paying a lot of money as well. So they put me on practice squad and, then a couple of weeks into the season, I get a phone call, uh, and it's Mr. Davis, right? Wow. Normally, normally when they call you, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna pick you up off of waivers, or they're gonna pick you up, you know, from another team's practice squad. It's, you know, it's one of the coaching assistants that calls you, and you know, one of those quality control kind of guys that calls you. But the phone rings, and I, I pick it up because I, I recognize the Oakland number, um, and it's Mr. Davis, and he's like. You know, he said, hey, little Bruce, because uh, my dad is big Bruce. And he goes, hey, little Bruce, I just want to let you know we're going um, to be taking you. We're going to be signing you, and, and uh, you're going to be playing this week. So uh, it was just hearing his voice and, and, and the fact that it was him that called me uh, was just – it was one of the most fantastic moments of my career, um, you know, because he – because of his relationship with my dad, and uh, my dad's relationship with the Raiders and, and, you know, just all the time they spent there and, and the two Super Bowls, um, mm. he saw fit to call me, which I thought was just so fantastic. It's incredible, Bruce. I mean, to get the call from Mr. Davis and then to tie up this journey from a Super Bowl with Pittsburgh, your great career at UCLA, uh, to get an opportunity to play for the Raiders. As we wrap this up, what does it mean to you? Because the Steelers is where you got the ring, but the Raiders is where you wanted to be. How does it feel, once a Raider, always a Raider, to reunite with your dad's team and have that as part of your legacy? It's the, it's the best. Um, and my time, my two years with the Raiders, it was my favorite time of my career. It was I played the best football I played, uh, majority special teams, but I played the best football I played when I was in the silver and black. And, and, to, and to be able to step in that same locker room and, and step on that field and and put on the black jersey, man, it was just so special to me. And I know it, it was such a huge thing to my dad because we had such a great relationship mm-hmm. uh, anyway and a great relationship surrounding football. But I think, you know, we had a different understanding of each other uh, when I got to the Raiders because it's like I get to go in the office and see the trophies, two of the three that he was a part of. And, and you know, just from the time I stepped in there, it felt like home. And I was welcomed with open arms by everybody in the organization. It was so fantastic. It's a great conversation we're having. Bruce Davis, a former linebacker for the Raiders, Super Bowl champion. His dad played for the team and was a great player. So what are you doing now, Bruce? Tell us about your life and what's going on with you now. Well, I just had a little boy. Uh, he's, he just turned one last month. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm living the dad life and, and really enjoying it. Um, and it's like my wife and I are chasing around this, this big old baby. It's funny. He looks just like my dad. Uh, and he's such a big kid. His hands are huge. I mean, the kid's an offensive tackle. He just doesn't even know. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, it's great to see his progression and, uh, you know, I get to spend so much time with him. Um, and it's just fantastic. So I'm, I'm living the dad life and experiencing, uh, and experiencing, you know, life again through his eyes, which is which is a bunch of fun. And my wife and I, like, every day, it's just like, uh, 
uh, it's, it's something new, and it's, it's like a comedy show every day. Wow, Bruce, really enjoyed this conversation. Hope to catch you out here for a game this year. You plan on coming out to Vegas to see the Raiders play? Uh, I'll be out there quite a few times this season. So, I, you know, hopefully I, I, um, we can see each other while I'm out there. You got it. Thanks for doing this today. All the best to you and your family. Of course. Thank you. You too. All right. What a nice conversation. Bruce Davis, who played for the Raiders for two seasons, linebacker. His dad's got two Super Bowl rings with the Raiders. We like putting those stories together. Hope you enjoy it. 702-365-9200. Mike in Staten, Italy. Mikey, how are you? How you been? How was the weekend? What's happening? Hey, JT, doing great. I was out there in Vegas, 104-degree weather, but that the EDC was some sights to be held. That's the magic of Las Vegas, my friend. Hey, JT, uh, I tell you what, me and you get on the NBA for the uh, regular season. This has been a great, I think it's been a great playoff run. It, NBA, and you called it a long time ago, it's an NBA, it's a playoff sports. The regular se- season means nothing. Uh, hockey is is great here in New York, terrible in Vegas. Uh, the the Ranger game, it's going to be an all-time hockey game on mm-hmm. on game four. I suggest everybody watch. At the end of game three, Max Domi, Ty Domi's son, takes a stick. After the whistle blows, takes a stick, whacks our best defenseman, and it was an all-out war. And then your old coach, Gallant, says there's going to be payback as he tries to fight the other coach. It, it, JT's like from Slapshot, old-time <laughs> hockey, my friend. It's a, it's a great day. So, JT, I guess you're going to be a little mad at me. Uh, I'm a season ticket holder for the Raiders. The only game I'm keeping is the Patriot game, and I, and I, I sold all my other tickets. What are you doing, Mikey? Why don't you run them by me? I, I, I buy them off. Like I always say, you guys got to run your tickets through me first so I can get them to Raider fans. Do you know if you sold them to Raider fans or just Mr. Anonymous who gave you the most money? <laughs> Mr. Anonymous, JT. All right. You know, okay. Well, then you're going to have to spend some of that Mr. Anonymous money on me at the bar, okay? At the Patriot game? <laughs> yeah, but I, I love that Patriot game. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be... Uh, JT, I think that's for all the marbles. Uh, JT, and and I don't understand this in any way. Eight and a half, the under over for the Raiders. Yeah, I, I think that's free money. Mike, I, you're a professional gambler. Tell our listeners why it's at eight and a half. They they went five and zero oh in big games that came down to last possession. The bookmakers think that's going to balance back. There's a new coach and a new GM. At times, people think they have to reset that. And then Russell Wilson's in the division. Patrick Mahomes and the Chargers. I mean, the love fest for the Chargers is why these sports books got the Raiders at eight and a half. They, JT, the whole division is ten and a half, and the Raiders are at eight and a half. The Raiders had the best draft, and people say, "What are you talking about? You didn't have a draft pick." We got we got the best defensive lineman to match up with Crosby, and we got the best wide receiver to go who wants to play with Carr. JT, eight and a half. And then we, and again, we. Uh, it, you're right. Mm. Listen, we won every close game. We, you, you can't say that. But we have the best special team still. I'll take our kicker over anybody else to win that game for us. JT eight and a half. They're printing money for us. So you took the eight and a half. The Raiders over the total. Yes, I did, sir. I and I went big. I went wow. big on it. All right. Thanks, Mike. You know what? I'll send it to you, and you can post it on your Twitter. Oh, thank you. I will do that. Please do. There he is, Mikey, uh, checking in a real, real gambler and a guy who posts his tickets. 
Can you imagine if half these charlatans in Vegas who tell you how much they bet? I listened to a guy today who said, yeah, I had the end game on this game. I'm like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're on the radio. You're on the radio doing a radio show, and you're acting like you're some whale who flew in from Australia, and you're betting in game. The amount of people lying and not posting their tickets and telling you what they bet, but then going back on Twitter and giving you gambling advice, it is like 1883, the show I watched. It's the Wild West. Anybody will say anything. Hey, we're brought to you by the Botanist Gin, my go-to spirit for my summer cocktails, backyard brick is Botanist Gin. Hands down my favorite gin and the number one fastest growing brand. Well, here we go on third and goal. Jacobs is a running back. Motion is Renfro. You're looking at Renfro, fires to him, touchdown! Jackpot, baby! Renfro went in motion, and Carr wanted him all the way. It was the only receiver Derek Carr even looked at. Love when Renfro's in the red zone in motion. Put him in motion, put him in motion in the slot. Devontae will be double teamed. Waller will be in single coverage. Moreau will be in single coverage. Hunter Renfro will be in single coverage. JT, back with you as we continue. Brought to you by SalmonAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Salmon Ash Law, if you get into an accident, get safe, get to the side of the road. Don't talk to anyone before you talk to Salmon Ash. Gangster Raider coming off his son's 21st birthday. How was it? Thanks for calling. Man, it was awesome, man. We had a ball. We paid it to town, silver and black. A lot of people showed up at the um, tavern um, after, because first I took them on a um, stadium tour. Then after that, we had, you know we met up at the Raiders Tavern at six, and guess who showed up? Who's that? Rod freaking Martin. Rod Martin, the legend who just got married. He got married last week, so yeah. that's good, man. Happy to hear that. Yeah, he showed up. He chopped it up with my son. He talked to him in the corner by himself for like about twenty minutes, just giving him advice and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, Raider puppet showed up. It was a bunch of people, and um, I forget. I think his name was Raider. Um, I, forgot, I was so many. I met so many people thinking it was Raider Rob. He took care of our meal and all our drinks and everything. It was awesome. Then we went and partied. Uh, well, first we went bowling. Then we went and partied at this other club. I forget the name of the club. Mm-hmm. We just had a ball. And Raider Nation showed us so much love, and he enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? Everything was perfect. You know what I'm saying? I want to wish your pop, your pops, and your son an you. early happy birthday as well, because I know you're gonna turn up with them tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So. It was just lovely. I want to thank Raider Nation and Vegas. I love y'all. You know what I'm saying? We did it good. My son thanks y'all, and it was awesome. You know what I'm I know you're going to have a great time with your thank son you. and father. So, And I want to thank you for wishing him a happy birthday, too, because he's been listening to you his whole life. You know, he was born in 2001. You came to the Raiders in 98, so he's been listening to you his whole life, and to hear you wish him a happy birthday At least on the I radio could do. made his day. You know what I'm saying? So thanks, JT. Happy birthday to your pops and your thank son. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Gangster. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Happy your son had a good time in Vegas on his 21st. My son turns 21 tomorrow. Big day. And it's my dad's birthday, too. So we're really excited tomorrow. It's a uh, national holiday for me. Greatest day of my life. My son was born early on my dad's birthday, and we try to celebrate it every year. My dad hasn't been out here with my mom in over two years. Over two years due to COVID issues and travel, but they're here now, and we're excited about that. 
All right, big hour coming up next. Uh, my trip to see Mike Ditka, I'll tell you about that. Kurt Heelan, NBA insider, all next hour.